thing about that. I like that. Do you know what a thing about that refers to? You probably don't. We had a little preaching get-together last Saturday. Uh, and um, rather dangerously, I suggested that the biggest danger for preaching and preachers in Jubilee Church was people getting bored. <laughs> but that puts extra pressure on me now because I've got to make sure that none of you are bored as I am preaching. So I hope I can manage to do that. Uh, but uh, what we're going to do is we are going to... Can we have the scripture up, actually, if that's all right? That would be great. So it's going to be really simple. So the next three Sundays, that's, that's it, basically. Yeah, it's going to be Isaiah 9, 6. For to us, unto us, a child is born. I prefer unto the old um, King James. For unto us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. It's a majestic scripture. And my encouragement to all of us is we just get it planted into our hearts over these next three Sundays. Yeah, what I do, and we're going to do this in a minute, is what I do is, is every now and again I drive cars, I get up really early in the morning, at six o'clock, which is very unusual for me, uh, and um, I go off to Camberley, uh, and it's dark, and it's depressing, and it's raining, and it's cold, and it's miserable, and I don't feel like I want to be there. I want to be in bed. And so what I do is I put on Handel's Messiah and this, for unto us a child is born, and my spirits are lifted. Yeah, and I think, yes, Jesus is in charge. Yes, he is wonderful. Yes, he is almighty God. He's all of these things. So what we're going to do, oh, I realize that some of you here are not classical buffs. I realize that your Spotify will not have any classical music on it whatsoever. And you may even hate classical music. You may even think, I'm never going to let anything classical darken my musical list ever. But can I really encourage you to make an exception <laughs> for Handel's Messiah, yeah, and, and put it on your playlist and try to listen to it in whatever form you can over the next couple of weeks, yeah? And so what we're going to do is we're going to provide a little excerpt for you, okay? And what we're going to do is we're going to sit down and we are going to... And I'd, I'd even encourage you to close your eyes, actually, as you listen to this, yeah, and just appreciate the beauty of it in terms of the scripture and in terms of the music, and in terms of the singing. Handel does a magnificent job. So we've got this all set up for you. It's about two and a half, three minutes, isn't it? We're just going to listen to it together. Close your eyes and just listen to the beauty of this. Glorious, wasn't it? Absolutely glorious. Do you mean, um, just a couple of little pointers here. One, you don't have to memorize scripture. You can sing it. <laughs> Yeah, I do mean, whenever I, mem I just sing this, you know, and, and, and it's just absolutely beautiful. That's the first point. The second point is, they say modern choruses are repetitive. <laughs> do you mean repetition didn't start with modern choruses? Repetition started with Handel and his Messiah. Yeah, do you mean he was the master of repetition in terms of variation and repetition in order to get that scripture into our hearts, in order to get it into our, into our very beings? 
Yeah, so um, you may not be a classical buff, but can I encourage you to, um, to, to think about that and put it on your, your account? So there we have the scripture, okay? What we're going to do is over the next three Sundays, we are swapping it around a bit, okay? So we're going to do the government on his shoulders first. Why? Because it's quite a serious, heavy preach, basically, and we thought it's for grown-ups, yeah? So um, we're doing a preach for grown-ups today about government, okay? And then we're going to have a family service for to us. A child is born, a son is given, which is a really positive message yeah we're going to have um, lots of games in the sermon basically for kids for teenagers for young adults so it's going to be a lot of fun so can i encourage you to uh, bring family friends along for that uh, and then matt is going to do the one just before christmas on the wonderful counselor the mighty god the everlasting father the prince of peace my goodness does he have a choice in terms of what he's going to preach on he may want to tackle all of those or he may just pick on one a Prince of Peace, I think you were sort of thinking about, weren't you? But uh, hey, look forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be really, really exciting. So I'm going to start with government on his shoulders. Okay, the first thing is that this next section carries a health warning. Okay, yeah, this is not necessarily a biblical view. This is my view. Okay, and my view is this. World government is in a mess. In a total and utter mess okay our own government is in a bit of a pickle has to be said yeah in terms of rwanda and sending a few plane loads of immigrants over there they've got in a right old two and eight about that uh, and uh, you know sweller is sacked and 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 robert resigns and and meanwhile boris is blathering onto some covid committee about you know why he did this in covid yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a mess. But can I also say that, that the other lot may not be any better. Yeah, they could absolutely slaughter the evangelical church on their liberal agenda. Um, they could do. They could absolutely have us over a barrel uh, and, and, and basically say we're doing a shed load of illegal things. So, you know, both are in a mess. But then you think, actually, they're not as bad as some of these other governments located around the world you've got putin who is bumping people off at will he's literally killing people off who are against him yeah and and in addition to invading ukraine you've got hamas controlling that that you know that what they did was absolutely reprehensible and then an over sort of heavy-handed response from israel yeah it is absolutely, and then you look at the United States and you look at the choice there. Utterly extraordinary, isn't it? You've got someone who either deserves to be in a prison or a lunatic asylum um, versus someone who probably should be in a retirement village. So, sorry to say that, but, you know, and that is the biggest democratic nation in this world. Isn't it utterly extraordinary? Utterly extraordinary. What a mess. The entire government of planet Earth has got itself into. Yeah, that is a personal statement. Okay, please tell. The great advantage of this is it's not being recorded, is it? Or being put on whatever, so I can make all these sweeping statements. Yeah, that some of you may feel free to disagree on. Yeah, and I can make all these massive sweeping statements and I'll, I'll hopefully get away with it. Yeah? Sorry? China as well, yeah. You can then give me a, a shed load of Myanmar. You know, the list just goes on and on and on. So, 
Government is in a mess. What else am I going to say? Hopefully something more positive and useful. Yeah. Um, now, the interesting thing is, as Isaiah's writing the scripture, yeah, as he's writing Isaiah 9, 6, his governments were also in a mess, actually. They were also in a state. So basically, he is writing about 600 years before the birth of Christ. He is writing... Um, Israel is divided into two kingdoms. It's divided into the northern kingdom, ten tribes, uh, and the southern kingdom, two tribes. The David's kingdom split up, basically, because there was a row, uh, and there were two kingdoms in place. The northern kingdom was in a mess because every king was bad. Every king, in fact, each successive king was worse than the one before. Yeah, and, and they were just deserting God, oppressing the poor, uh, being cruel, uh, all sorts of things were going on in the northern kingdom. Uh, and in the southern kingdom, it was sort of alternating between sort of slightly better kings and then bad kings, uh, better kings and bad kings. And Isaiah's overall message is this. His overall message is this. It's one of judgment, actually. It is actually the northern kingdom will be scattered and lost forever. Yeah, so the ten tribes will literally disappear as the Assyrians sweep in from the north and conquer and, and, and remove them. And the southern kingdom will be invaded by the Babylonians, taken into captivity and spent 70 years there before they get to come back again as a, as a minuscule remnant of what was before. Yeah, So this is a tough situation that he finds himself in. He finds himself in a situation where government is in a mess. Yeah? And so what he is doing is he's writing a prophetic word uh, in which he basically says, but there is hope. There's hope in Christ Jesus. So that's the sort of context. But finally, and this is the really challenging question, do you know the worst government that you have ever, ever experienced? Shall I tell you? The worst government that you have ever experienced is the government of your own life. The worst government that you have ever, ever experienced is the government of your own life. We live in a world that champions freedom, that champions individual choice, you know, you're worth it, or just do it, or, you know, you are free to make these autonomous decisions. Yeah, you are free, but actually your freedom is often, in fact, is always, if the Bible is to be believed, extremely badly used. Yeah. Um, now, ooh, you're thinking, Dave, he's, he's being a bit risky here. Yeah. But I just think I apply this to myself, and I'm thinking, okay, I am free to make my own choices. I am free to do what I want to do. I'll tell you what I want to do. I think I want to go down to a nice, cosy cottage in the New Forest. I want to have my stamp collection. I want to sell CDs online. I want to have a beautiful roaring fire. I want to sit there warming my toes with my beautiful slippers. Yeah, I've got my pipe there as well. Yeah, and, and what I want to do is I'll be, I'll be walking Millie on the sunny days. Yeah, not the rainy days. Ruthie will be walking. Ruthie will be walking Millie the dog on the rainy days. I'll be doing the sunny days. Yeah. Um, everything will be in place. Yeah, we'll flog the place off in Shepparton and, we'll have, and then I'll be able to live in comfort and ease for the rest of my life. That is my decision-making 
process. And you may laugh, but it may still happen, sadly. Yeah? And actually, if I did that, I would be utterly bored and unfulfilled. Do you realize that? And therefore, I would have made an extremely poor set of decisions. Yeah, because God knows otherwise. And so what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about the world needs new government, Israel then and now needs new government, and your life needs new government. Simple as that. Quickly, I'm going to refer to the first two really quickly, uh, and I'm going to focus in on you and me, because it's more fun, basically. Uh, uh, and no holds barred, hopefully, on your life and mine. But very quickly, we're going to deal with the world needs new government. Basically, Jesus will come again, and he'll sort everything out. Yeah, people have all sorts of different ideas in terms of how that would happen. There's post-trib and pre-trib and, and thousand years of rule and all the rest of it. But the ultimate truth is that Jesus is going to come along and he's going to sort this mess out once and for all and for good in this physical world as well, not some sort of airlift off to, to heaven. He will come here in physical form and he will rescue planet Earth. That gives us hope, doesn't it? Yeah, that means that we have far more hope than the rest of the world. Picture this, if you are someone living in the world and you don't believe that Jesus will come and sort stuff out, yeah, you will be pretty depressed, I would have thought, right now. You will be miserable as anything, and rightly so. But we, brothers and sisters as Christians, we have this hope. We have this hope that Christ will return. There will be no more nations as we understand them. There will be no more division between nations. There will be no more wars, there will be no more tears, there will be no more crying, there will be no more weeping. Revelation sets it out very clearly in the early chapters. When Christ returns, everything will be sorted. Yeah? Uh, and so um, that is something that we as Christians need to be just really holding on to, the return of Christ. Come, Lord Jesus, return. Yeah, I do, I'm still, I always remember this. Sorry, this is a complete aside. I've not prepared this. But we went to visit um, Malta, and there was some, these caves. And you could go down into the caves where all the dead were buried, basically. There were, um, what's the word for them? Sort of, sorry? Catacombs. Yeah, there were catacombs. Uh, and, and they were shelved up. The dead were shelved up on these shelves. Yeah, and, and basically, and then in the middle was a little stone agape table where what they would do is they would break bread and celebrate the Lord's Supper surrounded by their dead. How strange. This is the early church in Malta, around, you know, just after Paul visits. Yeah? And what they were doing, and, 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 and as they were doing that, they'd be surrounded by their dead, and they would, you know, they would, they would look forward to the resurrection, <laughs> basically, and the return of Christ. Yeah, it's a bit strange in our culture, isn't it, surrounding ourselves by dead people. But actually, it's an incredibly powerful image, isn't it? Yeah, they are basically saying, the dead will be raised, all our relatives will be raised, we will be raised, Christ will return, we will meet him. Hallelujah. Yeah? Brothers and sisters, hold on to that hope with everything that you've got. Yeah? It is our greatest hope. Yeah, Jesus will return and the dead will be raised and it's something to really look forward to that is the hope of the world and as government gets worse and worse and worse we look forward to the ultimate and perfect rule of jesus christ 
yeah. Secondly, historic Israel. Uh, they were in a similar situation. They were looking forward to the Messiah. I feel a bit sorry for Isaiah because he's constantly saying to both nations, you're in real trouble. You need to repent. They don't. And he looks forward to the coming of Jesus. Uh, and he looks forward to... Um, do you mean I feel sorry for Isaiah? Because Jesus only comes 450, 500 years later. So he's sort of looking forward into the future. Uh, and, um, you know, so timing is not on his side, shall we say. Uh, and that's sometimes how it works, I have to say. But sometimes we expect things to happen quickly or we expect things to happen in our timing. But actually things happen in God's timing. So we don't know when Jesus will return. He will return at some point. Yeah, and uh, we can look forward to that, but we're not clear on the timing. So those are quick commentaries on, on Israel and the world. Uh, but the most important thing, so yeah, basically the world gets new government with the second coming of Christ. Historic Israel gets new government with the first coming of Christ. We get new government by accepting Jesus as our savior, Lord, master, and commander. Yeah. Now, it seems to me that Christians don't have too much trouble accepting Jesus as their Savior. Yeah, he dies for our sins on the cross, he forgives our sins, and we are welcomed into the family of God. Hallelujah. But not too much hardship. Yeah, we don't even have, we sort of don't have that much problem in terms of accepting him as our Lord, in terms of our own sort of moral conduct. We sort of recognize, yes, we're sinners, we need to sort of shape up a little bit. We need to stop swearing, we need to stop lying, we need to stop, you know, doing dodgy things. Yeah, we need to just sort of clean that sort of side of our lives up. We sort of are okay with that. But actually, Jesus, when he comes to take over our lives, wants to take over our lives. He wants to be master and commander. He wants to set the agenda for our lives. Do you realize that? Yeah, he wants to give us our marching orders. Yeah, and we do that voluntarily. Yeah, and we say, uh, uh, and, and as he does that, he knows that is the best thing for our lives. He created us. You know, it says in the Bible that whatever, before, before, you know, before time, before the dawn, he knew that we would be created. He saw us in our mother's womb. He, you know, he fixed us in place. He had all of that prepared. He knows precisely what is best for every single one of us. Did you realize that? He knows a million times better than we do. So if you think you know what is best for your life, you are massively wrong. Yeah? Massively wrong. You don't. You just do not know what is best for your life. He does. And so I probably suspect that he will not want me lazing around the cottage. He'll want me doing something a bit more useful with my life. And I suspect that the same applies to you and me. If we look at Isaiah, uh, and uh, we'll be doing a little series around Isaiah, so that'll be good. Uh, and um, in Isaiah 6... There's a wonderful scripture in which God says, whom shall I send? And Isaiah, without hesitation, responds, send me. Who shall I send? Send me. Do you know what he was responding to? He was responding to a lifetime of predicting 
the judgment on Israel and Judah, he was responding to a life of being rejected, a life of being undermined, a life of... Uh, and then, if church history is to be believed, Manasseh sawed him in two at the end of his life, basically. That was what he was signing up to. Yeah, it wasn't a bed of roses. It wasn't a lot of fun. It wasn't self-fulfillment or personal satisfaction. It wasn't Christian celebrity status. It wasn't being loved and adored by people around him. It was a life of rejection leading to death. And Isaiah said, choose me. That's sobering, isn't it? That is quite sobering. He signed up to service without conditions. Yeah? Because that was where God wanted him. And then interestingly, long after his death, thousands of years later, we sing his words to the tune of a master composer. He wouldn't have known that, would he? He wouldn't have realized that, you know, saying you're under judgment, you're under judgment, you're under judgment, sword in half. Yeah, he, he wouldn't have realized. But we do, don't we? Because God knew what was right for his life. God knows what's right for your life. And God knows what's right for my life. That was where God wanted him. That was where his gift was employed. And as I said, long after his death, we sing his words. So a couple of scriptures that Jesus said. Yeah. Jesus said, whoever my com has my commands and obeys them, he or she is the one who loves me. Whoever has my commands and obeys them. That doesn't just refer to personal morality. Personal morality is included, but it also refers to our marching orders, our witness and response to the Great Commission, our care for the poor and the needy and the disadvantaged, yeah, our love for those around us, our active service for our Lord. Yeah, that is what commands refers to, um, as well as instructions about personal morality. He also said, my meat and drink is to do the will of the Father who sent me. Jesus said, my daily sustenance, my very real pleasure. I love a lamb chop that is extremely well cooked. Anyone else? Let's go around favorite meats. Lamb, steak. Anyone vegetarian here? I don't want to put you on the spot, but if you are vegetarian and you like whatever, a veggie burger or something, that's, that's great too. Yeah? But, you know, my meat and drink, it, my pleasure... Not just my sustenance, but my sustenance and my pleasure is to do the will of the Father who sent me. Jesus didn't say, my meat and drink is to take it easy and relax with the boys uh, on a fishing boat. Which sounds quite good fun, actually. But anyway, that's by the by. Yeah, that's not what he said. He said, my meat and drink is to do the will of the Father. And, and it, that is our meat and drink, too. Yeah? Our meat and drink, our very real pleasure, our very real purpose, our very real sustenance is to do the will of the Father. Yeah? Hopefully, are we all buying into this? It sounds like we are, which I'm, I'm astonished at, really. <laughs> and so we're going to draw to a close. And we're going to have a worship song in a minute where I've changed the lyrics, which is a lot of fun, which I hope we'll scan, but... Okay, we'll find out, won't we? 
Okay. I put this as my final statement. If we choose what happens in our lives, we are safe, comfortable, and totally unfulfilled and ill at ease. I'll say that again. If we choose what happens in our life, we are safe, comfortable, unfulfilled, and totally ill at ease. Yeah? If God chooses what happens in our lives, we are usually not safe, we are never comfortable, <laughs> but we are fulfilled and knowing that we are in the purposes of God. Yeah? That's sort of how it works, I'm afraid. Sorry about that. Yeah, but that is sort of how it works. And often, these things happen in the little decisions. Yeah, a, a silly example, and, I, and this is certainly not blowing my own trumpet, because, you know, on Friday, I had Friday mapped out in my mind. I was going to prepare the sermon in the morning. I was going to take Emily somewhere in the afternoon. I was going to pick up some next deliveries. I was going to get a bit of shopping in. Everything was beautifully mapped out, you know, heading into the weekend. It was all perfect. And then, you know, this car delivery company rings me up and says, oh, can you deliver cars? And I say, no, I've n it's not on my thingy. I've said no to Friday because this is what I'm doing. And the guy begs me and pleads with me and says, oh, please work if we, if we really need you. Okay. And I, th I thought to myself, no, get, get lost, basically. But then I felt God prompt me and say, no, I want you out there in a car full of guys, you know, basically sharing me. I thought, oh, please, no, I don't want to do that. You know, I've got my life mapped out, thank you very much. I'm in control. This is my life. It's mapped out this way. If you do this to me, I'm going to have to do a rushed sermon prep on a Saturday morning. I'm going to have to get the flipping next delivery at some time that I don't really want to. I'm going to have to, you know, and Ruthie wants me to go to her little musical soiree on a Saturday afternoon. I'm going to have to just cram it all in. I'm gonna, and, and I just don't want you to control my life. And in the end, I did. I gave in. Driving along with the guys, Rob pipes up, Dave, what are you doing this weekend? You know, and the usual dilemma, do I say, oh, nothing much? <laughs> or do I say, I'm preaching, I'm preaching on this? Yeah? Do you get the picture? It's a small decision point, isn't it? You know, where we can either choose our set routine, which is comfortable and safe, and we know what we're doing, and it's all blah. Or we can respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, sending us into an unsafe environment where we are doing what he wants us to do. Yeah, and it's often on these, these small decision point sort of flexes. Does that make sense? That these small decision points that these things sort of happen. And then sometimes it happens on the big decision points as well, actually. Um, as we, you know, if you've got big decisions to make in your life, you do have to really go back to the drawing board and say, Lord, is this what you want me to do? Yeah, am I making this decision based on safety, security, um, predictability, or am I making this decision based on your will in my life? Yeah? Really important. Think about that. Two. Sorry if I've been challenging, but no, I don't apologize. Matt, you told me never to apologize, didn't you? You said never apologize. I'm not sorry at all. <laughs> if you are challenged, if you are thoroughly ill at ease, if you are thinking, David, I hate your guts, good. Okay? Good. Yeah, because actually, we want Jesus in control of our lives.
down there because he knows what is best for us. He knows where we will be the most fulfilled, the most useful, the most happy. Our life could be in chaos. Our timetable could be all over the shop. Uh, do, you mean, uh, do you mean we could be totally out of control? And yet in the Holy Spirit, we could be absolutely fulfilled. Do you realize that? It is it's sometimes how it works. Yeah. So let's get the band up. Yeah, I'm going to pray briefly. Uh, we are going to sing this final song, and I have taken the liberty of changing the lyrics. Okay, we're going to sing Joy to the World. Yeah, if you look at your sheets, it says, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king, all good. Let every heart prepare him room. Does Jesus come into our hearts as a lodger? Does he come into our hearts as a paying guest? Yeah, and almost all will give him a little room. Yeah, there in the corner. And we'll prepare a little room for him. And he can come in and sort of advise us. No. He comes into our houses in order to take charge. He comes into our houses in order to rearrange the furniture. Yeah, he, he comes into our house in order to put an extension here where we don't want it. Or in order to take something away from there and we don't want him to remove. He comes into our house in order to change stuff. He doesn't come in as a paying guest. Okay, so I'm changing these words to let every heart give him control. Can we try that? Let's try it. Let's do it. Let every heart give him control. There, that is a little rehearsal. We're going to sing it for good. Let's go for it. <laughs>